Hey guys, quick reminder, don't miss America's number one singing competition, The Voice. Or TV's number one drama, This Is Us. Or the one new show everyone is buzzing about. New Amsterdam. You can find them all tonight on NBC. How convenient is that? While you're asleep, the weather kept changing. We're on weather alert here this morning. The only local morning news chopper kept an eye on your commute. And our Ranger Vision technology. And, and you started your day a little smarter. Today. Grab that coat. NBC 5 Today. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about this latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy. How to use Chicken Soup for the Soul stories to train your brain to be your own therapist. The book is co-authored with Dr. Mike Dow, the New York Times best-selling author and therapist. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am great, and I'm so happy to be talking to you about this book because I am so excited about doing this new kind of book for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We have never done this before. This is an exciting book. I love the format. It is a storybook, a workbook, all wrapped up into one. So congratulations to you and Dr. Mike Dell. Yeah, it was it was really fun making it, and I learned a lot while I was doing it. It's very different from our other books. Mm-hmm. And it's because, well, what happened was I met Mike Dow because we were going on each other's podcasts, and we could just talk for hours, it turned out, because we shared the <laughs> same philosophy. Well, we had the same philosophy about self-help and therapy and how people can become happier. And that philosophy was that it's not that hard if you just recognize that people already have the tools they need inside their own brains. And so Mike practices um, a form of therapy therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. This is something that really appeals to me because it's fast. It's simple. You don't spend a year talking about your relationship with your mother. You just go (laughs) right to what your issue is and how to solve it. And you could be done in, you know, three sessions. Like the people who practice CBT, they're not trying to keep you around. (laughs) They're not trying to milk your problem, you know, and make it last forever. They really have practical, easy-to-implement solutions. So that really appeals to me because I'm a very practical, matter-of-fact person. Mm-hmm. And we, he and I were talking about what cognitive behavioral therapy is. So I don't know if you ever have heard of CBT before or how it works. Yes, a little bit, but go ahead and explain it to us because I think it's very, very interesting. And not only that, I think all of us do that or practice it in some ways, but we just don't realize what it is. Yeah, so what it is is that it's a belief that if you that you change the way you think, you change the way you act, and sometimes just by acting as if you've already solved a problem – you'll discover that you solved it. 
so and and the thinking part often involves like exposing yourself to whatever you're afraid of or it's it's just really cool because you do the whole thing in your head. So here, like here's an example. <laughs> when I was going for my first MRI for a bad back many years ago, and I knew I was claustrophobic, I mm-hmm. actually forced myself to practice by diving headfirst into my bed. You know, like putting my head mm-hmm, down mm-hmm. at the bottom where the feet go, and I was just practicing like being under the sheets because that was me practicing to go into the MRI machine. That's back when they were all closed, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Like that was a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. I was trying to expose myself to what I was afraid of. And another example would be we had this woman who was absolutely terrified of sharks. Now, I know there have been shark attacks recently, so that doesn't sound so irrational. But she wouldn't even go like onto the beach. She thought a shark would jump out of the shallow water there and Mm -hmm. onto the beach and and eat her. You know, so so she wouldn't even... (laughs) Like, I'm not saying she had to go in the water, but she wouldn't right, even stand right. on the beach. She wouldn't go to a party anywhere near the water. So her life was getting very narrow. And she was so afraid of sharks that one time she actually was afraid to go into her grandmother's bathroom when she was visiting her grandmother because there was a National Geographic in there with a picture of a shark on it. And she had an accident in the hallway. So that mm-hmm. was like her wake-up call. And so she said, I have to deal with this fear of sharks. And so she, on her own, practiced cognitive behavioral therapy on herself because she said, all right, I'm going to look at a picture of a shark. Then I'm going to touch the picture of the shark. Then I'm going to watch a TV show that has a shark in it. Then I'm going to go to the aquarium and see the sharks in the tank. And she gradually got herself all the way to standing on the beach and then putting her toe in the water, you know. And so over a period of time through this exposure therapy, she practiced CBT on herself and she opened up her life again by finally being able to go, you know, to the ocean again. And um, there's a lot of ways that we practice CBT on ourselves. So I was talking to Mike one day, we were having lunch in LA Mm -hmm. and he was explaining cognitive behavioral therapy to me. Oh, and another aspect of it, like the um, the acting differently part of it is, you know how people will just, let's say it's a shy person, they'll just pretend that they're not a shy person. Like we had a story from a woman, Julietta Nardone. I love this story. She was incredibly shy and she realized that she couldn't even operate her business because she was so shy. And so she just decided to pretend that she wasn't shy and she forced herself to go to a cocktail party and talk to everybody because she said, I am a shy person, but I'm going to be an actress tonight and I'm going to pretend that I'm not a shy person. And so she just <laughs> forced herself to do it. She acted like she wasn't a shy person and she kept doing that over and over. And before she knew it, the faking it part, acting like she wasn't a shy person had actually come true. So that was another example of somebody practicing cognitive behavioral therapy on themselves. So he and I were talking about it. And I said, oh, my gosh, we have so many stories from people who practiced CBT on themselves just mm-hmm. organically, and it worked so well. And then they shared it with all our readers in their Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. And so that's when we decided, let's make a book. Let's make a book where we take the two dozen most common issues that Dr. Mike Dow sees in his practice, because he's, Mm -hmm. 
he is on television all the time and you probably, you know, kind of recognize his picture on the front of the book because he's been on The Doctor so much and on Dr. Oz and on Rachel and on lots of television shows. And he's even had his own shows that he's hosted. Um, but he has a, a thriving private practice as well. So he, he, he gave us a list of the two dozen most common problems that he sees in his practice. And then we went and found a selection of stories for him from people who were addressing those problems using CBT on themselves. And so what's really cool about it is, you know, these days it's time-consuming mm -hmm. and expensive to go to a therapist. Right. And so what we've done in this book is, I mean, we're not saying we can solve every single problem. You know, if you have some really serious problem and you're dangerous to yourself, et cetera, like you're not going to solve that problem with this book. But if it's a phobia, you know, a fear of something, you're shy, um, you need help with parenting, you need help with um, weight control or becoming fit, um, you're having trouble with grieving, you're having relationship issues, you, you're getting a little depressed, and I don't mean chronically, you know, diagnosable, clinically depressed. I just mean, mm -hmm. you know, you're sad, you're stressed, you have insomnia, whatever it is. For those everyday issues that people do take to a therapist, we think we can solve those problems with this book so that you don't have to go to a therapist. And then if you want to go to a therapist, you can save the really big problems for the therapist <laughs> or use this in conjunction with therapy. So we, we put this together where we took the two dozen most common problems and then we present you with one or two Chicken Soup for the Soul stories where our writers figured out how to solve the problems themselves using CBT on themselves. And then we have this great section where Mike Dow explains to you, okay, this is how the writer did this. This is how she solved her problem. And then he created exercises based on the methods that were used in the stories. So then you have like a worksheet to fill out that's part of the book. And you write down like how you're going to think differently, how you're going to act, act differently. And mm -hmm. it really works. And it's a lot of fun. And I actually think people are going to buy these in multiples. Like they'll buy it for themselves and then they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm going back to get one from my mother, my sister, my sister-in-law, <laughs> my friend, my daughter, you know, my father, right. whoever. Um, it's, it's just I've, I'm really proud of what we did. I think it's going to help a lot of people. So um, that's my long-winded way of explaining how this book came about. <laughs> that's fantastic. What I like about the book is that, as I mentioned earlier, it is a storybook, right, because we have chicken soup stories. And then we oh, have yeah. a workbook that Dr. Dow had put together quite nicely in sort of prodding us in the right direction on how to – look at those key points and key moments that people make decisions, the pivotal moments that these individuals went through and sort of like an aha moment that sort of shifted their thought process. So can you walk us through on how the book is organized to help the reader act as their own therapy? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, in the book, we first start out by explaining how to use the book overall. And um, Mike explains 
some of the pitfalls that people encounter when they're trying to think through their issues, sometimes they just get stuck. They get paralyzed. Or sometimes they think, well, this is just how I have to be, right? And mm-hmm. so he has these seven pitfalls that all start with a P. So, <laughs> And then we, we help you undo these pitfall thought patterns in the book. So paralysis is just like I'm so overwhelmed with my to-do list, I just – Right. I'm going to stop and do nothing. I'm paralyzed with fear and stress and with the magnitude of my problem. And then another pitfall thought pattern is permanent. Well, my grandmother was obese. My mother was obese. I'm just going to be obese and so are my children. You know, that's a, that's a pitfall thought pattern that things have to be permanent. And then mm-hmm. another another pattern that people fall into is personalization, thinking that it's about them. You know, that cashier at the store was mean to me. No, the cashier at the store was mean because something really bad happened before she went to work this morning and she's just acting out. It has nothing to do with you. She doesn't even know what you look like. You know, and then mm-hmm. another another thought pattern that we deal with in this book is pervasiveness. That's taking a problem in one part of your life and letting it dominate everything. And we've all known people like that. I mean, I remember at one point, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand this, I had a friend who was adopted, and then I had another friend who was adopted. So my one friend who was adopted, everything in her whole life was about the fact that she was adopted. And it just pervaded every aspect of her life. The other friend who was adopted was like, yeah, I was adopted. I had great parents and then went on with the rest of her life. And so people sometimes do take something that's bothering them and they let it pervade every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know people like that who just can't stop obsessing about one thing. And then there's also pessimism. That's an obvious P problem, right? It's an obvious pitfall, thought pattern, pessimism, always believing the worst about everything. Then there's polarization. And so this was something that was new for me. So polarization would be like you're on a diet and somebody brings candy to your office and you eat a piece of candy. And then you say, well, I blew the day, so I'll just eat whatever I want for the rest of the day because it's already all over. So polarization is when you see everything in black or white. You know, so like one thing happens, well, that ruins everything else. And then the final pitfall thought pattern is believing that somehow the other people in your lives are supposed to be psychic and know what you're thinking. So it's like blaming people for not knowing you, that you need help because you assume that they're psychic. You know, right. that's, so that's another. So these these pitfall thought patterns are a big part of cognitive behavioral therapy. We teach you how to overcome these problems in this book. And... I like I've just been on a diet recently and I just lost um, six pounds since the middle of July and I have two pounds Mm -hmm. left to get to my goal. It's not a big deal to lose eight pounds, but I have to tell you when you're on your last eight pounds, like you only need to lose eight pounds, like it comes off very slowly. You're basically talking half a pound a week. And I've had to remember what we said in this book about polarization, that if I fall off the wagon and eat a cookie because somebody baked and brought cookies into the office, that doesn't mean I blew the the whole day. That just means I had 200 calories, 
that I shouldn't have had, and I could go mm-hmm. back to being good for the rest of the day. So I've been using that on myself often in the last two months, and it has contributed to the success of my effort to get fit. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's terrific. That's really, really great. A lot of these behavior that we have, we don't recognize that we have them, and they easily change in so many ways, but we just need someone to bring it to our attention. Yeah, and sometimes it's something that might seem obvious, but you have Mm -hmm. to be told the obvious over and over again to act on it. You know, it's when I remember I was, I pitched a television show, you know, a news show one day on our Power of Yes book, and I was telling her like the five tips that I would share on the show. And she said, Mm -hmm. well, but those seem so obvious. And I said, well, yeah, that's because that's what works. She was like, well, these are the standard tips. I said, yeah, I'm not going to give you some weird tips that won't work. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you the obvious ones that do work. There's a reason why these are the correct tips. And then right. they seem obvious to you. It's because they work. Um, luckily, you know, she passed, but I went on two national television shows to talk about the book. So <laughs> those shows understood the merit of our Power of Yes book, um, even though a local news show did not. But, okay, here's a great example. Um, here's a really wonderful chapter in the book. It's chapter three of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy. This chapter is called Stress Less and Embrace Your Calm. And so... Some of these things are going to seem obvious, but I bet that most people who are listening don't actually put these into practice on a daily basis. Right. So cause I know that I didn't until you know I was forced to confront these ideas and realize how good they were. So here's a great story. This is the story that we used to start the chapter. It's by one of our regular writers whose name is April Knight, and April says, that she was always really anxious about everything. And it was just dominating her life because she, all, she was afraid to do things, because every, you know, she was just anxious about everything. And then one day she mm-hmm. thought, I've got to do something about this. So she began writing down the things that were troubling her the most. And it was things like financial issues, family issues, Um, that funny noise that her car was making, whatever it was, (laughs) she wrote it down and she threw each of those worries into a box. And she would do that all month. And then the last day of the month, she would open up the box. So she would have worries that she had written down 30 days before, 14 days before, or the day before. She pulled Mm -hmm. out all of these worries and she looked at them. And she realized that a lot of those worries had not come true. And the ones that had come true weren't really that big a deal. Or the worry was accurate, but it resolved itself without her having to do anything. And the, and if you think about it, yeah, most of us do that. We'll worry about something. And then, I don't know, for me especially, at like 3 in the morning I'll wake up and I'll worry about something <laughs> and it will seem so big, right, at 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then in the light of the next day I'll realize, wait, that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's not a big deal. But even things that do seem like a big deal, like my car is making the funny noise, I do not have time to take it in. Well, sometimes it just resolves itself or you take it in and they're like, oh, we're going to fix that in five minutes and you'll be on your way. 
or even if you do have to take the car in and leave it and they have to give you a loan or it didn't ruin your life. You know, it wasn't really the absolute disaster you thought it would be. So then what we did in the book was we gave people an exercise. We said, list five of your old worries that have now been resolved. So you write down, you know, on one of these workbook sections, Mm -hmm. um, five things that have been resolved. And then you say, okay, how did these things get resolved? Was it because that thing never happened at all, that bad thing I was worried about? Or, yeah, it did happen, but it wasn't really as bad as I thought it would be. Or, well, it solved itself without me having to do anything, so I should never have worried about it because somebody else was going to take care of it anyway. And so that forces you to confront your worries. So I have found myself now thinking about that chapter And when I worry about something, I say to myself, wait, you have to, like I say, right, remember all the times you worried about something just like this and then it wasn't really that bad or the problem solved itself without you having Mm -hmm. to get involved or it never even happened at all. And I remind myself of that. And it's made me so much calmer about everything. I really find myself using it a lot. I was taking a walk a couple of weeks ago and I was thinking about this thing that might go wrong. And then I said to myself on the walk, wait a minute, remember what we said in Chapter 3 of Think, Act, and Be mm-hmm. Happy? This problem is probably not even going to happen, so stop thinking about it. You know, and I was <laughs> practicing this CBT technique on myself. So that's an example of how you can use this advice in this book and really make a difference in your life. And then the other thing we did in the stress less chapter was we had a great story by Marilyn Turk about another thing that a lot of us kind of get paralyzed by, which mm-hmm. is humongous to-do lists. And I'm, I know how busy you right. are, Johnny, and you know how busy I am. And it would be so easy to just get paralyzed by how much we have to do and then do nothing. And Marilyn had learned at work to take those massive to-do lists and to just chop them into tiny little pieces and, you know, like take every task and turn it into 10 small pieces so that she could just start plowing through it and have the satisfaction of checking off little pieces at a time. And then she found that bite by bite, she was, (laughs) you know, getting her list done. And so her son in high school was paralyzed because he had so much to do and she helped him take his to-do list and turn it into tiny little bites. And he practiced that for the rest of high school and was so much happier. I mean, the poor boy had been crying. He was so <laughs> overwhelmed. So so those are two examples of things that we teach people in our chapter about becoming less stressed. And mm-hmm. they really, really work. I love the way it's all laid out, so no doubt about that, because it really calls people into action. So that's what the beauty of this whole new format is all about. So that's fantastic. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy. How to use Chicken Soup for the Soul stories to train your brain 
to be your own therapist. The book is co-authored with Dr. Mike Dow, the New York Times bestselling author and therapist. Amy, let's talk about chapter five. I love your story in there. And chapter five is about parents with limits and love. So let's talk about that and how that sort of kicked into this thing, act and be happy. Oh, so I guess in Mike's practice, he sees a lot of patients who are not sure how to do parenting right. They Mm -hmm. want to put limits on their kids' behavior. They want to impose some structure on their kids, but they want to do it in a loving way. And maybe some of them are struggling with how they were raised and they want to do it differently now. I mean, parenting is hard, and you're always wondering if you're doing it right, and you're always filled with guilt, which is ridiculous, but that's what happens. You always, you know, I mean, this is like your most important job ever is to be a good parent. And so I I had a lot of weird things I did raising my children, but they seem to have really worked. And so I shared some of these with Mike and he loved one of the things that I did with my kids. So what happened was that my son, I, he went to a private school um, until high school, and he had to wear a navy blazer to school every day. And so, you know, I'd buy him a blazer at the beginning of the school year, and I'd buy it a little big on purpose, hoping that it would fit him all year, because I didn't want to have to buy two blazers in one year. So he went off to school one year, and I, you know, had him in his new slightly too large blazer, but you know, mm-hmm. not humongously large, just a little bit too large. <laughs> and by the end of the year, it would be a little too small, you know. And um, he came home, not with his brand new blazer that I had spent $100 on, but <laughs> he came home with some bedraggled old blazer. And I said, Mike, why? Are you, what happened to your brand new jacket? He said, oh, well, Gideon's jacket was too small, and so mine fit him better, so we swapped. So he took Gideon's, <laughs> you know, worn-out old one, and gave Gideon his new one that was supposed to last him all year. So that was just the last straw for me in a whole series of clothing disappearances, and he was always losing his clothing. And um, so I finally said, you know what? I think the kids were only in middle school, so they were pretty young. But I said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them a budget. They can do math. And so I talked to my ex-husband, and he agreed. And so we decided that we would – each give them a certain amount of money um, twice a year. And I forget what we gave them over the course of a whole year. Maybe it was like $1,000 over the course of a whole year or something. And so Mm -hmm. we gave them half in the fall and half in the spring. And my son wanted his in um, his savings account, and my daughter wanted hers on a debit card. So we gave them their money the way (laughs) they wanted it. And then we said to them, okay, now we'll drive you to the clothing store, but you'll actually go and check out yourself and you will be responsible for choosing your clothing. And the idea had come to me because I used to take the kids to Disney World every year because I loved Disney World so much. And so, Mm -hmm. but I had gotten tired of them always wanting souvenirs. So one year I had given them each 50 Disney dollars, you know, for the week Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. They had $50 to spend on souvenirs. Well, once they had to spend the money themselves, they didn't want any of the souvenirs. 
I mean, they were like little reporters for Consumer Reports, you know, analyzing the worth of each stuffed animal or each action figure or whatever it was. And neither of them spent all of their Disney dollars when we went to Disney World. They spent maybe half. I still have the rest of their Disney dollars at home. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, okay, once they have to spend the money themselves, they are much better consumers. So I gave them this, this clothing budget, and then... I never cared again when Michael would lose his jacket. I mean, I remember he actually lost his jacket um, one night before a really important event in ninth grade, and I just laughed at him. We actually had to go to the school, and he knew about one unlocked door, so we kind of broke into the school through the unlocked door (laughs) and went to the lost and found, and his jacket Mm -hmm. wasn't there, but there was this horrendous pastel plaid jacket that had probably been there for 20 years, so he took that, and that's what he had to wear to his, you know, event, which was mm-hmm. really very funny. So anyway, that's what I did, and Mike loved that because it's, it's a really he loves pe- he loves training your brain, and he said, what a great way to train your kids' brains to be responsible mm-hmm. consumers. Um, yeah. And my kids did become extremely responsible consumers. I mean, to the point where I was arguing with them, saying. No, take like take the Acela train, not the consumer, you know, the the commuter train that will take two hours longer to go from you know Washington to <laughs> New York or whatever it was. I was arguing with them to spend more money. They became so, so such tightwads, I guess, with the money. <laughs> That's very very interesting. One of the things that I know this is a national thing. As a matter of fact, I think it's like multi billion dollar industry, and that comes back to. Chapter four, weight loss that works. You see all kinds of programs out there. And I thought what you guys have to offer in this book is terrific. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so Mike really knows a lot about this from, you know, his practice Mm -hmm. and from Mm -hmm. his multiple degrees. He's like a double PhD in um, therapy and psychology and everything else. I, I, as a joke, call him Dr. Dr. Mike Dow because of his two PhDs. (laughs) But anyway, he says that one of the problems that people have who are overweight is they just basically say, well, that's how I have to be. And that's not true. And so we put in a story by this woman, Gina Tate, who came from a family where all the women were overweight. And she was actually something like 150 pounds overweight. And she had her wake-up call when she had a a baby and one day somebody was looking at her little boy and said, oh, he's going to grow up to be a big boy just like his mama. Mm -hmm. And Gina said to the person, well, I wasn't always big. And the person said, oh, really? And Gina thought, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I wasn't always this big. I don't have to be obese. My son doesn't have to be obese. And I guess my mother and her mother before her didn't have to be obese. And so she started a diet, but she did it right. She did it gradually because that's the way that it actually sticks is if you do it gradually. Mm -hmm. So she just cut out carbs and sugar. Um, And she just slowly lost weight. She decided that if she lost one pound a week, that would be a victory. She would be down 52 pounds in a year. And so... The other thing that she um, decided to do was she just decided that she wasn't going to say, I can't eat that cookie. She would just say, well, 
I'm a person who doesn't eat cookies, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a different mm-hmm. way of looking at it. Anyway, it took her two and a half years, and she lost 150 pounds. And she says, I did it one decision at a time. She said, I didn't do it one day at a time. I didn't do it one week at a time. She said, I did it one decision at a time. Now, how cool is that? Like, that makes so much sense to me, one decision at a time. That also means that if you made that decision to eat that cookie, that's okay. The next decision you have another shot at. So your next decision might be to order a salad, you know, and one decision at a time. And every decision is a new start. And so she lost the weight and we checked with her and she has kept the weight off. So um, Mike thought that was a great example. And one of the things that she had discovered was that there's a difference in real hunger and then hunger that was in her brain. And so one Mm -hmm. of the exercises that Mike has you do in this book is to analyze your hunger and decide if it's above the neck, meaning in your brain, or below the (laughs) neck, meaning that you're actually hungry. And so he has a whole worksheet in here about how you think, how you can stop thinking, oh, I ate that one cookie, it's all over. Um, That's polarized thinking. And Mm -hmm. then he has um, you work on creating what he calls specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-sensitive goals, like I need to lose one pound per week, not I Mm -hmm. need to lose 150 pounds, which sounds so daunting. Um, And then we coupled Chapter 4 about weight loss with another chapter later in the book, which is about how to... Um, create good habits. Mm-hmm. And um, in chapter 16, we talk about how to make yourself into the kind of person who makes healthy choices because you want to. Right. Because if you want to eat the salad instead of the cookie, that really helps. So we teach you how to do that. Um, so I think that those two chapters combined are really good. We do that a lot where we have um, – a chapter that then can be combined with another chapter to be incredibly powerful. Right. They're very, very interesting. Another chapter that sort of addresses just about everyone, I would think, is chapter nine, find forgiveness and liberate yourself. Because I think we all get into this sort of thing where we never forget the past. And it's like a ball and chain that anchors it down. Yeah, I agree with you. And I had not really focused on what lack of forgiveness does to people until I started doing this job at Chicken Soup for Mm -hmm. the Soul. I just hadn't thought about it and hadn't focused on how much weight you carry around with you when you carry around all your resentments and disappointments and your anger at people. And what I learned was that you need to analyze why the people acted that way because if you analyze it and you realize that it wasn't really about you, you take away one of those pitfall thought patterns Mm -hmm. that Mike explains about in the introduction, which is personalization, where you think it was done to you, right? So there was a great story that uh, Mike and I chose to start off this chapter about forgiveness. It's by Judith Guarnera. So, I I thought this this is one of the most powerful stories I think we've ever published. She 
got a divorce and, you know, it was contentious and difficult as most divorces are. And she just couldn't move forward. She was just stuck. So she was going to this divorce support group and there was a leader one night, you know, who was facilitating a discussion and the leader said to everybody in the group, repeat after me, in my marriage, I did the best that I could. So everybody said that, of course, in my Mm -hmm. marriage, I did the best that I could. Like, who wouldn't say that? Right. And then the facilitator said, okay, now say, in my marriage, my husband did the best that he could, or my wife did the best that she could. Well, nobody would say that. The room became silent. (laughs) And then Judith thought to herself, well, wait a minute, if if I know that I did the best that I could, and every single person in this room stated I did the best that I could, why are we all assuming that our spouses did not also do the best that they could and they just failed? And so mm-hmm. she realized, yes, my husband did do the best that he could. It didn't work out. But once she realized that, it was like an epiphany. And she was able to stop resenting him so much for their failed marriage And she was able to say, yeah, he did the best that he could. It just didn't work out or he stunk at it or I, you know, he was kind of a jerk, but, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He was a jerk by accident. He was trying. (laughs) He just wasn't good at being married to me, you know? And so she, it was like in one second, her whole mindset changed and she walked out of that support group that night, a free woman, basically she was liberated from all of her resentment and all of that disappointment. And she was finally able to move forward with her life. And Mm -hmm. so what Mike does is he takes you through some exercises that helps you to identify people you need to forgive, analyze why they acted the way they did, say how you're going to forgive them. And they don't even have to be alive anymore. We had a story from a woman whose grandfather was always terrible for to her. She had, you know, like some puppy mm-hmm. fat or baby fat growing up. And he used to just glare at her when she ate anything at family gatherings. And he was nasty to everybody in the family. And he made her feel tar- terrible about her weight. And then he died. And she was so torn up by how mean he had been to her. And she couldn't get over it. And her father had said to her, why are you carrying around all this resentment? The guy is dead. He can never hurt you again. And so Mike talked about that story also. And basically you can forgive the person, whether the person is alive or dead. The other person doesn't even need to know that you're forgiving them. You just have to know it yourself. So he has some exercises in this chapter about identifying the person you're going to forgive, figuring out why they did what they did, Mm -hmm. not taking it personally, figuring out how you're going to forgive them. And he says, you know, start with the hardest person to forgive. I mean, start with the easiest person to forgive, (laughs) the easiest person. And then say, okay, that was easy. That person who cut me off at the traffic light, all right, that person (laughs) really didn't do that to me personally. And then work your way up, you know, to the worst people. And it is amazing how liberating it is. So that is, um, that's an example of how you have to think differently you think through um, how the person hurt you, how they were probably doing the best they could and they were just a flawed individual, how you can get over it. Then you act, you write down like 
who the person is, how you're going to forgive them, and you actually forgive them, even if you write it or you go to their gravestone and talk to them, or you <laughs> you don't have to even call them up and tell them if they're alive. You can just do it in your head. And by acting as if you have forgiven them, you will actually find that you truly have forgiven them. And so it's a strategy he has to use all the time with his patients. And with the holidays coming, I think a lot of people are facing that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to this party and -and so-and-so is going to be there or that relative will be at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. And so it's a great time of year for us to learn how to use the power of forgiveness to liberate ourselves from all that heaviness that we're carrying around. So I think that this is a chapter that is going to help almost everybody. Like you said, we all have somebody Mm -hmm. we need to forgive. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy. How to use Chicken Soup for the Soul stories to train your brain to be your own therapist. The book is co-authored with Dr. Mike Dow, the New York Times bestselling author and therapist. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Well, Amy, let's talk about this. Has any of the chapters in the book make a difference in your life? Yeah, so I was talking about how that chapter three about um, stressing less, how that really Mm -hmm. helped me by making me think about worries now differently because I say, wait a minute, you know these things always work out. And then the other chapter that made a huge difference to me was chapter 12, which is tips that work to overcome insomnia. Mm -hmm. So so what, what I learned from the chapter and I know that we're told this all the time, but sometimes you just have to read it again and like do these little exercises and it will really work for you. What Mike talks about in this chapter is how you have to get on a more regular schedule. And that means even on the weekends, trying to go to bed at the same time. And he said, what you have to do is decide how much sleep you need. So let's say you're a person who needs seven hours of sleep. You're pretty sure that with seven hours of sleep each night, you're in great shape. Mm -hmm. Most people, it's between seven hours and eight hours. So let's say you normally go to bed at midnight and you get up at seven, and that's good. Well, the problem is if you get in bed at midnight and then you try to go to sleep and you don't go to sleep right away, then you start stressing about it. Like, shoot, the alarm's going to go off at seven. I'm I'm still awake. Okay, maybe if I go to sleep by one, I'll still get six hours of sleep. You start negotiating with yourself, and you lie there worrying about the fact (laughs) that you didn't go to sleep. Because some people go to sleep the moment their heads hit the pillow. My husband's that way. Like, Mm -hmm. he could be watching, I don't know, a movie where missiles are blowing up, and then he puts his head on the pillow, and he's asleep. Meanwhile, I would be up all night if I watched that movie, um, which I I definitely do not do. What Mike says is this. He says, give yourself a half hour of buffer zone. So if you need to be asleep by midnight, try to go to sleep at 1130. And then when you lie there, you won't be worrying anymore. You'll be saying to yourself, I have 30 minutes of buffer zone. So I'll just lie here and I'll think about my day. I'll think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. But you don't actually get stressed about it. So I adopted that strategy and I always remind myself, I have 30 minutes of buffer zone. 
And now I go to sleep so much faster. And then the other thing he says is you have to create like transition habits. So there was a story that we put at the beginning of the chapter about this woman who every night her husband would read her a chicken soup for the soul story. Now it doesn't have to be that. Like for me, it's I read a book on my Kindle before I go to sleep. And it just can't be an upsetting book. It has to be, you know, it can be interesting and suspenseful, but not upsetting. And so I read for half an hour and then I get tired and then I close my eyes and then I tell myself it doesn't matter that I'm still awake because I have 30 minutes and then I fall asleep, you know, and everything is good. Um, And so we have all these tips and we have things to fill out in this chapter to help you with insomnia. Um, So, so that is a really important thing also. I saw um, a study the other day that said that the two keys to happiness are being grateful for what you have in your life and getting enough sleep. So we actually help you with both of those things in our book because we have a chapter about how to count your blessings also. Wonderful. What is the best way to utilize the book in order to get the best result? In training our brain. So the first thing that I would do, and this was really the experience that I had in creating the mm-hmm. book with Mike Dow, was I would read the introduction because it's really helpful when he tells you about these thought patterns that can be pitfalls for you, like paralysis or personalizing things or being pessimistic or thinking that something is permanent. All of these things that start with P. When he goes through those, you immediately realize, oh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. (laughs) And then you don't really have to read the chapters in order. So what you could do is look for your particular problems. Are you a perfectionist? Then read Chapter 8, which is called You Don't Have to Be Perfect. Um, Did you have cancer and you are having trouble moving on from cancer? Read Chapter 10, Thrive After Cancer. If you don't sleep well, read Chapter 12 about tips that really do work to overcome insomnia. If you're blending a family and you need some step family strategies, then you'll read chapter 13. If you're caring for elderly parents and it's really hurting your own life in terms of your personal well-being, your your physical well-being and your mental well-being, then you'll read chapter 14 about caring for elderly parents while still caring for yourself. Whatever it is, we have a chapter for you. So you can skip around, and then maybe you'll find a chapter that you think would be perfect for your spouse or your friend or your sibling or your parent. So it's really fun to skip around in here and see what you can do for yourself. And what I love about it is that you don't have to solve all your problems. There is so much pride and excitement that comes from even solving one problem. So just sit down Mm -hmm. and do the worksheets for one issue that you have in your life. Just do one and enjoy the, you know, the pride and the empowerment that you feel from having done that one thing to solve one problem and then, then do another one. So it's a really fun thing. I think that this is the kind of book that people are just going to keep on their night table and they're going to keep going back to it. That's true. What I like about the book, again, it is a storybook and a workbook that's all put together in one. It calls you to action and very basic action as well. It's not something that it's a humongous shift in your normal routine or the way you think and so forth. So that's the big difference. What is the number one challenge in retraining our brain? Um, 
I think it's probably getting over these pitfall thought patterns that Mike talked about, you know, mm-hmm. like being paralyzed, which is his number one pitfall thought pattern. Just being paralyzed and stuck in, in place and saying, well, it's, it's just too overwhelming. I can't deal with it. So we like to break things down into tiny little bites, right? So if mm-hmm. you open up this book and you just say, okay, I'm just going to do one chapter, that can break the paralysis. And then you can actually realize, wow, my brain has a ton of power in it to do these things for me. Mike and I just believe so much in the fact that people really already have the toolkits within themselves to basically be the mechanics for their own lives. And I said to him, I said, you know, you're sending people away from going to therapists because you're teaching them how to solve your own problems. Like, how do you feel about that? He said, we therapists are fine with that. We have plenty of business. We are fine with people solving their own problems. And I actually think that's right. My um, my stepdaughter is a therapist, and she mm-hmm. has a waiting list for her services. So the fact is that therapists have plenty to do. They don't <laughs> mind at all if people take their lives um you know, under put they take some control over their lives and, and solve some mm-hmm. of their own problems. That's very, very interesting, though. You're right, because what happens, we get paralyzed, keep on marinating ourselves with the current situation. And so we're not thinking any further than that. That's it. It pretty much, you know, we're dead in the water, basically. We anchored ourselves down psychologically. Yeah, you know, I think that we can help break that logjam with this book. Mm-hmm. that paralysis. Um, we actually made some videos that I know you've watched, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would love to share these with all of the listeners today because you can go to our website, chickensoup.com, and you can click on the Think, Act, and Be Happy book. But You'll see it right on the homepage. You'll see like a, an ad for it. Click on that. It will take you to that page on our website, and you will be able to see the front cover and the back cover of the book. You'll be able to read a little bit about the book, and you'll be able to watch five videos that Mike and I made. So it was a really fun experience because I was out in L.A. a few weeks ago with my family, and I had this crazy idea that in the middle of a family vacation, I would go and make videos with Mike, and it was really hot. And I actually had to go from the <laughs> Warner Brothers studio tour, which, by the way, was really excellent. Um, I had to go from there to the studio, which was also in Burbank, and, and like, clean myself up and put mm-hmm. on makeup and everything and all of a sudden make this video and then leave after a few hours in the studio and go to another tourist site in L.A. with the family. So... Uh, it was pretty funny that I did all of this. And, of course, I worried about it. And then everything worked out just fine. And I said, oh, I didn't follow what I learned in Chapter 3, which was don't worry about everything that could go wrong, you know. But anyway, right. we, we did something really fun. We sat in a studio. It's actually the studio where we shoot um, our TV show, Hidden Heroes. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these green screen studios. And I had never done a green screen before. At least I didn't remember it. So we had so much fun picking out different backgrounds for the videos. So if you watch the five videos, you'll see four different backgrounds. We meant to have five, but we forgot to change the background of one of the videos. <laughs> so there's two in a row that have the same background. And then the rest um, the rest are different. And uh, 
and we had a really good time. And so on these videos, you'll see us discussing some of the chapters in the book, and we actually will show you some of the pages from inside the book. We'll show you what these um, workbook pages look like. These, it's really guided journaling, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. It's where you journal, but we guide you through it so that you journal, and, and it's really like a voyage of self-discovery for you. So you can watch the videos. You can see some of the pages from the book, and you can hear detailed explanations from Mike about how you can use cognitive behavioral therapy to solve some of these common problems. That's wonderful. I've seen the video, and I have to tell you, it is great. It's just perfect. It's about a little bit over three minutes long, and it's to the point. You're not looking at something that you have to kind of sit around for a while because it's very precise. Dr. Mike Dow is very, very engaging in the videos, and so did you. Yeah, the other thing is that he and I have made some podcasts. So Mm -hmm. the first one ran on um, the 21st. The second one ran on the 28th of September. And we have another one that's going to be running in October. And we might make some more also. And we did deep dives into six different chapters from the book in these podcasts, Mm -hmm. which are 15 or 20 minutes each. So If you go to our website, chickensoup.com, you'll see right at the top of the homepage, you can click on podcasts, and then you can click through, and you can listen to us discussing these chapters. Um, Of course, you and I, on your podcast, Johnny, just discussed Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff, but um, sometimes it helps to hear it more than once. You can also hear it (laughs) on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. So you can listen to the podcast, you can watch the videos, and uh, and then the book is available at Walmart, at Barnes and Noble, at you know your local bookstore on Amazon.com. It's um, it's all over the place. We we had a very good initial printing of this book, and um, it's everywhere. So look for it. There's a very nice picture of Mike Dow on the cover. Um, big letters: Think, Act, and Be Happy. And I think you're going to really love it. I know that it was life-changing for me to make the book. I came out of the process um, a much, I would say, more grounded and happy person than I was when I went into making the book. So that's always a great thing when the author herself is changed by a book. (laughs) That's wonderful. So what's coming up next for Chicken Soup? Well, we're continuing to try to reach people's eyeballs through video and also trying to reach their ears through podcasting because it's tough being a publisher these days. You know, there's so much good (laughs) stuff to watch on your screen and there's so much good stuff to listen to. And so we're trying to reach people, you know, on their screens with video and uh, in their earbuds through our podcasting. So you'll see, if you go to our website, you'll see that we have a lot of book trailers now. We're trying to make book trailers for almost all our books so that you can really get a sense of what's in each book and hear some of the stories being told with photos and videos from the people who wrote the stories. So it really brings the stories to life for you. And then we have some cool new books coming up. After Think, Act, and Be Happy, um, we have a wonderful Christmas book coming out. And then we also have a book coming out in November, a new topic for us. It's called The Best Advice I Ever Heard. 
because we realized that we all have these turning points in our lives when somebody we know or even a stranger just says a few wise words to us that cause an epiphany. So we asked people to send us those stories. Tell us, you know, those few wise words that changed your life. Mm-hmm. And the stories are really mind-blowing. And I think when people read these stories, it will change their lives as well. So we have that coming out as well. And then for our Canadian listeners, we have a special book coming out for Canada in October. It's called um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Canadian Acts of Kindness. And it's 101 stories about Canadians doing kind things for each other, for their families, their neighbors, their communities, or for perfect strangers. So that's a really good one. So we have a lot of great stuff coming out the rest of this year. Fantastic. As we close the show, everyone always loves the recipes for living that you share with us. So what are the recipes for living that you like to share for this show? All right. So I've been doing this for 11 years, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And so I was thinking about five ingredients for my recipe for living. And I think I came Mm -hmm. up with the five most important ingredients. And I've learned all of this from 11 years of doing Chicken Soup for the Soul stories and reading, I don't know, at least 100,000, you know, personal stories (laughs) from people. So I guess my number one ingredient would be realize that you do have the tools inside you already to do whatever it is that you want to do. The second ingredient would be don't be afraid to ask for help because people Mm -hmm. are always afraid to ask. And also don't be afraid to offer help would be my third tip because since people are afraid to ask, just proactively go and offer help if you think that maybe somebody needs your help. People are so afraid to offer help. And it turns out that making the offer really is the right thing to do. And then my fourth tip would be remember to regularly step outside your comfort zone. Do those things that you're a little uncomfortable about doing or even do those things you're totally afraid of doing. And then my fifth recipe for living, and this is something that has always been the case for me for my entire life, is Mm -hmm. be true to yourself. Stand up for what's right. Speak out. Um, Don't compromise yourself because you live with yourself. If you're not true to yourself, well, you're inside yourself all the time. You have to be true to yourself and speak up for what's right and don't let somebody force you to do the wrong thing. So those are my five ingredients that go into my recipe for living a productive and happy life that's filled with you know, passion and purpose. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Speaking about 11 years you have done chicken soup, how has that changed you as a person in some ways? Yeah, it has made me so much more grounded and so much more grateful for what I have in my life because I read stories from people who have been through so much and yet Mm -hmm. they still are optimistic and they're still moving forward. They overcome all kinds of things, whether it's um, illnesses or losing somebody or financial problems or whatever it is, and they just keep going and it's made me so grateful for what I have in my own life and I think when you're filled with gratitude you're a much happier person and then the other thing is I've really learned how to do massive quantities of work without going crazy 
I do so much work. And, like, I've learned how to do massive quantities of work basically without my head exploding. And I'm <laughs> so much less stressed despite the mm-hmm. fact that I have never worked this hard in my life. So those are, I guess those are my big changes. Fantastic. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, October 9th. My guest will be Ariane de Bonvesson. She is the founder and CEO of The First 30 Days, a website for helping people make changes in their lives, and the app Mindful 365, a program that helps boost your spirit one day at a time. Ariane and I will be having a conversation about her latest project, Giggles and Joy. It is an exciting new book series focused on sharing spiritual life lessons for kids aged 2 to 10 through inspiration, fun, and wisdom. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Quick reminder, don't miss America's number one singing competition, The Voice. Or TV's number one drama, This Is Us. Or the one new show everyone is buzzing about. New Amsterdam. You can find them all tonight on NBC. How convenient is that? While you're asleep, the weather can change you. We're on weather alert here this morning. The only local morning news chopper kept an eye on your commute. Our Ranger Vision technology. And, and you started your day a little smarter. Grab that coat. NBC5 Today. Hey guys, quick reminder, don't miss America's number one singing competition, The Voice. Or TV's number one drama, This Is Us. Or the one new show everyone is buzzing about. New Amsterdam. You can find them all tonight on NBC. How convenient is that? While you're asleep, the weather can change you. We're on weather alert here this morning. The only local morning news chopper kept an eye on your commute. Our Ranger Vision technology. And, and you started your day a little smarter. Grab that coat. NBC 5 Today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.